I'm Pastor Robert. Welcome to Riverside Friends Church. We're going to continue our look at Mark. Get my camera all set up here. I'm a little bright. That's okay. Tiny. A little bit. Yeah. Microphone's in a good spot. Good to go. I know some guys, and some of them, some of you may be listening right now, and your plan after this Sunday service is to go home. And, you know, I'm recording this on uh, no, no, January 25th, 2024. This Sunday, there are two football games. Ravens and Chiefs play at 2, then Lions and Niners at 5.30. I bet if you tried, some of you don't have to try, you'll likely spend like six hours in your recliner on Sunday just watching football. And when the final whistle blows and you get up to go to bed, how are you going to feel? Is that going to have been a productive use of your time? Maybe you're not a football person. Maybe you're not a football person. How many of us have like doom scrolled through YouTube shorts or TikTok only to get an overwhelming like feeling of dread that I just wasted an hour or more sometimes? And there's nothing wrong and inherently with TikTok or football probably or whatever. How you use them is likely more important. And so these things are, these things, they promise us enjoyment, and yet oftentimes by the time they're done, they leave us feeling unfulfilled and wasted. This sermon is about the Sabbath. And there's two books I want to recommend that I'm going to be pulling some stuff from. The first is like The Emotionally Healthy Leader by Pete Scazzaro. You can sort of see like I've read the cover off this book. I've read it probably five, six times. Um, the other is Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest by Ruth Haley Barton. They're both wonderful books. If you want to read either one of them, let me know. I'll lend you my copy. We tend to think about Sabbath as being rest and replenishment. It is that, but it's like so much more. Sabbath is an act of resistance. It's an act of resistance against a world that says you must be doing. Adele Calhoun says that if you aren't resting, you are a slave to something. And many of us have been like self-imposed slaves to football and YouTube and whatever. We can't turn away and be free. And the Israelites, they were forced slaves in Egypt. And there's a big difference between like between being slaves in Egypt and being like a slave to football or TikTok. So Sabbath is like one of the most countercultural ideas in all of scripture. It was countercultural at the time of Israel. It was countercultural to the people who first received it. It was countercultural at the time of Christ. And it's countercultural now. And today we're going to look at Mark. Mark chapter 2 chapter 23 through chapter 3, verse 6. This is kind of the last story in Mark chapter 2, the first story in Mark chapter 3, right next to each other. Two stories here. Mark's, he has two stories about the Sabbath right next to each other. And he makes a very similar point about the Sabbath through each story. So here's what I want to do. I want to take a look at both stories individually, and then we'll look at them together and try to look at how can I take a Sabbath well today in this culture? And the first story is about plucking heads of grain in a field on the Sabbath. 
And so here it is, Mark chapter 2, verse 23 through 28. One day, he was going through the Sabbath. Oh, sorry. Get back here. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. This is Jesus. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he gave some to his companions. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. What's happening here? The disciples and Jesus are walking through a field. It's late spring, early summer. The crops are high. They're ready for the harvest. And the disciples, as they're walking through, kind of running their hand along, and they're plucking these heads of grain and eating them. Now, is that wrong to take somebody else's grain? Not necessarily. Deuteronomy 23, 25 says, If you go into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand, but you shall not put a sickle to your neighbor's standing grain. In Jewish law, you can pick your neighbor's grain. The Pharisees tell Jesus, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? The Pharisees' gripe is not about stealing. It's about Sabbath. The Pharisees are referencing Exodus 34, 21. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even in plowing time and in harvest time, you shall rest. So even in crunch time, when you need to get the seed in and the crops out of the field, you rest for a day and you don't do it. Ask a farmer how hard that is to do. When you don't know how many days you have till the rains come and the fields flood, the crops need to get in the ground. And when you don't know how many days till the first frost and your crops freeze and are ruined, it's easy to say, I don't need a Sabbath. I can't take a Sabbath. And these people of Jesus' time, they didn't have a John Deere, an international harvester. They had their hands and feet. And God told them, you have to believe in me. This is going to get taken care of because I'm God. That's what the Sabbath is about. It's about recognizing that God is in control. And the Pharisees, they have a question. Why are they harvesting on the Sabbath? I mean, are they really harvesting? Not really. But Jesus tells the Pharisees a story that they'd be familiar with. He tells them, listen, remember in 1 Samuel 21, David brings his men into the tabernacle and they eat the bread set out there. It's kind of a weird story, right? Like what's Jesus talking about? So what happens, 1 Samuel 21, David goes into the tabernacle. Each Sabbath, what would happen is that the priest would set out 12 loaves. Oh, sorry. The priest would set out 12 loaves of bread. And then they would eat on the Sabbath. They would eat the bread from the previous week and set out 12 new loaves. And it's really, it's a symbol of God's provision. It's a symbol that God provides by having this bread set out there. It's just this reminder, God's going to provide this. So David, he's fleeing from persecution. His life was at risk. His men, they're not priests. And they ate the bread of the presence. They ate the bread because they were hungry and needed food. It was not legal for them to eat this bread, but the priests recognized their plight and gave them five of the loaves. That's what David asked for. And Jesus, 
He tells the Pharisees, the Sabbath was not made for humanity. Excuse me. The Sabbath was made for humans, for humanity, and not people for the Sabbath. So Jesus, like, he carries this idea forward. This is verse 27, 28. Jesus carries this idea forward. Check this out. Jesus says, mankind is not for the Sabbath. Sabbath is for mankind. And I am the son of man, so I am Lord of the Sabbath. And we could spend like a whole sermon thinking through the ramifications of the statement that Jesus is the son of humanity and Sabbath was made for humanity. And therefore, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And then you you take that idea forward. You go one step after that. You see that Sabbath was made for Jesus. Jesus is son of man. Sabbath made for man. Sabbath was made for Jesus. And if you want a thought experiment this week, take a half hour and think through, what does it mean that your Sabbath, your Sabbath was made for Jesus? Here in the text, Jesus is saying, like contrary to popular ideas at the time, that the Sabbath is not meant to be understood as a legalistic ritual, but he is Lord over it and he's bringing goodness into it. So let, let me put it this way, right? For a moment, imagine the hardest working guy you can. He is working a full-time job all day and then delivers, I don't know, DoorDash at night. He's got kids at home that need school supplies and uniforms, and he's breaking himself every week to provide for his family. He's making sure they got all the uniforms they need for sports. They got basketball shoes. They got soccer boots, they got whatever, right? Because he's breaking himself for them. I understand. One concern might be Sabbath keeping is a rich man privilege. How does this guy Sabbath when he needs to work all day and deliver for DoorDash at night just to get by? Because for those in poverty, working multiple jobs, hustling just to get by, on that grind to make ends meet, the question becomes, how can the Sabbath be for me? God did not create you for the Sabbath. He created the Sabbath for you. Our culture says you can't afford to take a day off, and God says you can't afford not to. Sabbath was created to benefit you, and sometimes we need to take our hands off our work. We can get so concerned about Is this working? Is it growing like I want? Is it becoming the right thing? And God is telling us, take your hands off. The Sabbath was given to people because we have a hard time keeping our hands off of our work and we have a hard time trying to control things. We've been told by our culture that we have to hustle. We have to grind to get anywhere. And I understand that Sabbath in our culture, we're working multiple jobs to get by, is common. That Sabbath is difficult. That's where our culture is failing you. Our society is failing you. I hope we change our culture so that every person can enjoy a Sabbath. The Pharisees, they had taken a time that was meant to be work-free, and they created a strict set of rules that had to be followed on it. You know what you call a strict set of rules that have to be followed? Work. The Pharisees had taken a time, a thing that was meant to be work-free, and they turned it into work. A Sabbath is a time when we stop work. 
And our culture is awful at encouraging and allowing rest. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He meets all our needs. Ultimately, God is in control. And so any provision that I have is because of God's grace. When I abuse the Sabbath, when I fail to stop work, I fail to recognize that God is in control. I have what I need, not because of my hustle and grind. I have what I need because God provides. And when I fail the Sabbath, I fail to recognize the control that God has. I fail to recognize that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. But here's my hope for you. I hope that you have a day that you can take your hands off your work and recognize that ultimately God is in control. And whatever your job is or jobs are, I hope that you find a day a week that you can stop work. The Pharisees didn't understand that. Mark goes into our second story. Chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful to do on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. And he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. And then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So Jesus on the Sabbath, he sees this man in the synagogue, in the church with a shriveled hand. And the word shriveled here in our NIV comes from the Greek word I want to make sure I get this right. Xereno, Xereno. It also means paralyzed. It seems like he is paralyzed and his hand is, is stuck. And I've been trying to think on how you would imagine this. How do you like imagine what his hand is, looks like? How do you imagine a paralyzed, withered hand? Imagine that you have a pencil. You have a pencil in your hand. I want you to take that pencil, like you're going to write something with it, and now... Try to write on your own wrist. Imagine what that looks like, how you have to curl your hand over to get there. And now just drop that pencil out of there. That's how I imagine his hand is shriveled and paralyzed. Kind of stuck there like that. It's shriveled in that it's all enclosed in. Paralyzed, you can't move it beyond that. The Pharisees, they're looking at Jesus, they're looking at this guy, and they want to know if they're going to, if Jesus is going to heal him on the Sabbath. They're not interested in Jesus. They're not interested in the well-being of this man. They just want to accuse Jesus. And we know they want to accuse him because the text says some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely. And Jesus has the man stand up, puts him right in the center. And he's angry with the Pharisees. He knows their hearts. And Jesus asked, which is lawful? Which is lawful, good or evil, to save a life or to kill? And the Pharisees, they refuse to answer him. If they answer in the positive, they will encourage Jesus to heal the man. Yes, it is good. It is, what is lawful? Good, saving a life. They can't say that. They want to trap Jesus. And they can't answer in the negative. They can't say, nobody's going to say, you know what's lawful? Evil. You know what's lawful? Killing. So they remained silent. 
it's a good thing that Jesus heals on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is about doing good. It's about, it is good to stop work. It is good to do good. It is good to heal. That's kind of Jesus' point. Good is good no matter the time. Jesus is here asking, is it good to save a life? And he saves the man with the withered hand. The Pharisees go out and they plot to kill him. They've heard the question. The Pharisees hear the question, is it lawful to save or to kill? And they leave and they begin to plot how to kill Jesus. They make their choice. They tried to stay silent. They tried to stay silent to the question, but their actions reveal their heart. They think Jesus, they think killing Jesus is good. The Pharisees had a really narrow belief on the acceptability of the Sabbath practice, and Jesus turns that upside down. And imagine this man, he listens to Jesus and he stretches out his hand and he finds it healed. The Pharisees tried to rob this man of that joy. And so there's something about this, right? That the Sabbath is a time when we find joy. The Sabbath is a time when we practice delight. We do these things that are good, that bring joy, that bring delight. And you can ask Sarah, like, I love my Sabbath. I love taking the Sabbath. I look forward to every Friday when I can stop work and do things that I enjoy and that are fun. And I wasn't always this way. I used to think about the Sabbath as being a boring day of long, drawn-out prayers and deep Bible reading. I do those things, but I do them because I find them enjoyable. You know, I wear this... I got this like piece of rubber around my finger. I don't wear a regular wedding band. It's because I lift weights. So my my wedding band, like my gold one, it was rubbing my knuckle weird and causing this like callus to form. It was leaving this awful callus that really bothered Sarah when I would go to hold her hand. So I started wearing this rubber one. So eventually they rip. And this week, this is my, from this like, let me see if I can hold that up there. Eventually they rip. They experience so much wear and tear that they can no longer hold together. They can't hold any longer. They rip. And mine started to rip last week as I was doing a power clean set. And I, the company I get these from, they just send me a new one when mine rip. It no longer holds. It's no longer whole, barely holding on. It's a fragment of itself. It doesn't work anymore. Right? We need it to be full, otherwise it doesn't stay on my finger. Oftentimes, as people, we develop habits of work. And work takes a toll on our lives. It's hard to work day in and day out without resting. It costs us something of our soul to work continually. As Americans, what we tend to do is we tend to like work and work and work and work and work until we take a vacation and we think, oh, I'm, the vacation's going to restore me. It's going to bring me back up. But honestly, vacations often feel like more work. And there's a common feature for millennials and Gen Z that sociologists are just starting to study, burnout. Millennials and Gen Z, more than any other generation, are experiencing burnout in their jobs and are shifting careers at a faster rate than any generation before them. When we don't have time to rest, we work ourselves so far that we rip our lives into two. Like my ring under the weights I was lifting, our lives rip into pieces. I can order a new ring. I already got one. You can't order a new life. 
The fact that the Sabbath occurs weekly means there's a rhythm. Our work, paid or unpaid, is bracketed by rest. Our lives were meant for a rhythm. Our culture, which is failing us, says work and vacation is the rhythm. And it leaves us worse than when we started. The guides we have been given are sports and social media. They leave us feeling empty. Biblically, we work, we work, and we rest. Yeah, let me start way over here. We work down and we rest and work and rest and work and rest and work and rest and work and rest. And perhaps today you don't need a vacation. Perhaps today you need a Sabbath. Here's what I want to do in the next couple of minutes. Let me wrap up. I want to fill out a definition of Sabbath. We'll close. Here's what we've seen so far. Sabbath is made for people. Jesus told the Pharisees that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, we stop working. We recognize that God's in control. We take our hands off. God's work is going to go on without us. God doesn't need us. God does not depend on me. I depend on him. And in Sabbath, we bring that reality to the forefront of our minds. And then we practice delight. We do things that are fun on the Sabbath. We celebrate and we enjoy. And I want to add two things to this definition. In the Sabbath, we enjoy rest. We contemplate God. We stop work. Here's the four things that you need for a Sabbath. You need a 24-hour period where we stop work, we practice delight, we enjoy rest, we contemplate God. And if you do those four things, I believe that you will have a Sabbath that will help to stop your life from being ripped in two. You'll have a life that is stretched out and healed instead of withered and paralyzed. And our culture and our society are embracing habits that are ripping our lives into two. And for one day, for one day, we enforce an act of resistance. Sabbath is an act of resistance against ourselves. We take our, our hands off control. I can doom scroll and couch sit and be anxious as well as anybody. But one day a week, I enter this act of resistance where I purposely remind myself, I bring to the forefront of my mind that I am not in control. God is. One day a week, we practice humility and dependence on God, and that is an act of resistance against our culture. And my prayer for you this week is that you would find a day to do these things, where you can stop work, where you can enjoy rest, where you can practice delight, where you can contemplate God, where you can bring to the forefront of your mind that he is in control. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that the work of this church, the work of this ministry does not depend on me. I'm not good enough. But it depends on you. Oh Lord, would you just help us to enter into your rest and to rest well in an act of disobedience, in an act of resistance against a culture that says we should be doing Doers, 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 you say, yeah, that our time of doing is bracketed by rest. So would we just enter in your rest well? Would you help us to breathe, Lord? Would you help us to breathe? Find our breath. Take a moment to just Enter into your joy.
soften these hard hearts. We might find you. We just want to thank you. We pray this in your name.